Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while while he talked with us on the road, and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we look at the Bible together this morning, that the words on the page would come alive for us, that we'd understand what was happening back then, and that we'd understand what the people that we've uh, just been hearing about, discovered about Jesus, and that that would be uh, something we'd discover ourselves as well, that you'd minister these truths to us as individuals and to us as a congregation. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever have um, uh, doubts? Um, questions, disappointment with God do you ever have that most people do 
uh, the ways that you experience that, you know, you've prayed and prayed for something and God doesn't do what you prayed for. You've really wanted something to happen and it just hasn't worked out that way. That's how these two people felt, uh, who we've just read about, as they walked the seven miles back to Emmaus on the first Easter Sunday. Uh, They were talking, verse 14, about everything that had happened. And Jesus catches them up and asks them what they are discussing. They stop with amazement, verse 17, their faces downcast, their hearts likewise. They say, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? They're astonished that Jesus should ask them. It would be like living in London and uh, never having heard of Brexit. That's what they're surprised by. How can Jesus not know what's happened? And of course he does know what's happened. Everyone is talking about it. But he just wants to begin the conversation and get them to open up. And what we're reading here as we see Jesus' journey with these two, we're seeing something of his kindness in giving them an opportunity to talk about their disappointment their doubts, their questions. We're hearing, um, we're seeing his patience as he hears all of their doubts, all of their confusion and talks them through it. And the reason I highlight that is because it's the same today for you and me, with God, with, with Jesus, when we pray, when we feel doubt and despair, when we're full of questions, when we're full of disappointment, we can go to him with those feelings in prayer. We should go to him with those feelings in prayer. Not only can he cope, but he invites us to do that. He wants us to do that, to know him as our God who is with us. And that's true, even when the reason we're miserable and dejected is our own unbelief, as it was for these two men. They'd been in the group, if you look in verse 9, when uh, Mary, Joanna and Mary had come back from Jesus' tomb reporting what the angels had told them. He's not here, he's risen. So they'd heard eyewitnesses pass on a message from an angel, but verse 11, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And that's why they were downcast and dejected. They didn't need to be, but they were because of their unbelief. And so when Jesus, risen from the dead, just like the angel said, joined them on the journey, there's now three of them, verse 16, they were kept from recognizing him. God did something to delay the point where they'd recognise Jesus. Now, uh, when you lose someone, uh, when people lose uh, a close uh, friend or member of the family uh, and they're bereaved, it's it's quite common, actually, for them just to imagine that the person they've lost is in the room with them, in a familiar place, or to sort of be in a crowd and to sort of catch sight of them and think, oh, gosh, I'm sure I... That's quite... It's kind of because of our love for the person who's passed and that sense of loss, then it's quite common for the human psyche to sort of use its imagination in that way. But notice in what we've read, it's the opposite of that. It's not that they were walking along, they imagined Jesus' presence with them. They were walking along and the very person that they lost and that they're so sad about actually joins them and starts talking to them But they don't recognize him because God keeps them from that. Why? Why does God keep them from recognizing him? Why does God do something? Why does God often delay answers to our prayers, our questions? 
Well, we and they needed to learn something utterly key about how that they would continue to relate to Jesus, to know Jesus, and understand their part in his plans. Verse 27, what does Jesus do with them? Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He goes to the Bible to teach them about their relationship with God through him, and that's the point that he's going to put up. Uh, that's, that's one of the points of this story for us, that that's where we're going to go over and over. You see, the particular issue for these two from Emmaus is they were so downcast, and that if you hear what, this, what they say to Jesus, they're really confused about the fact he's died. And what they've done is they, they've kind of filtered everything that Jesus has said, them, said to them and taught them. And I think we all do this. They'd kind, of, they'd kind of put a filter up, and, and Jesus said some really hopeful things, really joyful things, and really promising things. And they thought, well, brilliant, we want all those. And there are some of those in the Old Testament, aren't there, as well? Brilliant, excellent, excellent. We'll hold on to all the positive promises. But Jesus had also taught them on at least three occasions that he must suffer and die. And they thought, oh, that doesn't sound great. Oh, we'll filter out that bit. And there's loads in the Old Testament about the Messiah must suffer and die. Oh dear, oh no, we'll focus on the positives. And they've done this sort of filter thing. And I think we all do it. Verse 21, we see that mindset. Uh, look, Look at what they say. We had hoped. We had hoped. They've given up that hope now. But we had hoped that he was the one who's going to redeem, rescue Israel. They had hoped it. Oh gosh, but then he died. He was crucified. And they, because they filtered out everything he taught them about that, they don't understand it. And so if you hear about the way they talk about him now, verse 19, they, they've, they've demoted him. He, who is he now? He's not the Messiah. He's Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, but just a prophet. That's the way they're thinking. Notice what Jesus says. I think there's love in his voice, but he's definitely telling them off, isn't he, in verse 25? How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They had the answer in the Old Testament. They had it in Jesus' teaching. They had these eyewitnesses who'd seen the empty tomb, who'd given them the words of the angel, and they still didn't believe. Would you and I have done any better? I'm not sure I would. I'm pretty slow to believe in practice in my life the words of God so often. I think we, we're against our better instincts that we believe the advertisers. We end up being persuaded by them to try something new or eat something new or drink or wear or drive something new. We believe because we think they should be trying to help us, the medics, don't we, and whatever they say about whether we're going to change to live longer. We believe the scientists, but we're very slow to believe what God says to us. It's a spiritual thing. We, we, we need God to enable us to understand what he's saying and we also need to respond to that and put our faith in what he says. And that's what these two discovered on the way to Emmaus, that there was going to be something that they could do in the future, that they could enter into in the future to continue to get to know Jesus even when he wasn't with them, And that's what Jesus did with them. 
He didn't say, listen, let me, let me t talk you through it from first principles again. He says, you've already got the answer. It's in the Bible. Let me show you where it is. And verse 32, after they recognize Jesus, they, they kick themselves. Were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They actually already had everything they needed in the Bible, as well as the evidence of the witnesses and... What they just needed to do was not just to filter, not to just pick out the good and hopeful sounding bits, but to hear it all, to understand Jesus' mission to rescue, to save people was to die and then to rise. But he needed to die, he must die to defeat sin and Satan and death itself. And that's what Jesus says, isn't it? Verse 26, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Uh, these men, at the outlook of their conversation, they were thinking, we thought he was going to rescue Israel, but he died. Jesus shows them he did rescue Israel by dying. And not just Israel. By the end of the chapter in verse 47, this is something for the nations. Forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Why do we put so much emphasis on the Bible in our church meetings, in our church family? Not for its own sake. If you see a group of people gathered around a pram, you can be pretty sure they're not really looking at the pram. They're looking at the person inside the pram. The little person. And so too, when we open the Bible, it's not an end in itself. We're looking at the person that we see there, our God, our Lord Jesus Christ. We need the Bible, Old Testament as well as new. Notice Jesus took them through the Old Testament. And we also, as it were, need the burning. Um, not the same experience they had, of course. This is a unique example of a, of, of, but it's a unique example of a general thing that we need God to show us what it means. And as Jesus was doing with them, as he was teaching them, and that's why we prayed as we prayed um, before the service started for the work of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we open the Bible in church, that actually we need God to help us to understand the words. He wants to. It's not some sort of weird mystery that you need to be initiated into. He, he wants to speak to us. He wants us to understand. So we pray, Lord, help us. And I would really commend you doing that yourself whenever you open the Bible, if you're looking on your phone on the way to work, or if you've got time, or you make time in the, in the day sometimes to just to sit, to still, open the Bible and pray, Lord, help me by your Holy Spirit to understand what your word to me is. And, and that's, that's going to be key to us not doing this filtering thing. We're all tempted to do it, aren't we? If we, but if we just hold on to all the good, bit, good and promising sounding bits and filter out all the bits that are challenging about taking up our cross and following Jesus daily, if we do that, the person we're believing in isn't actually the real Jesus. It's a sort of our version of the real Jesus with bits chopped out. And sooner or later, reality will catch up when life gets hard. And our imaginary Jesus, well, he's just imaginary, isn't he? He's how we imagine him. He's not the real one. And so it'll all end in tears and disappointment for us, just like it did for these two, because they chop bits out. 
and we think, oh gosh, God's let me down. Well, he doesn't let you down at all. It's just that you believe that he would do things that he hasn't actually promised to do. The way back is to go to the real Jesus, the one in the scriptures, in the challenging bits, as well as the, the bits of, 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 of wonderful hope to hold on to. And we just need both. I think that's the thing here. And the other thing to take away from this, uh, this true story of um, them walking home to Emmaus and meeting Jesus is the way they came to recognize him. So if we go down to verse 28, um, they approach the village, they invite him in, because it's late, it's dangerous to travel at night. And naturally, when they sat down for some food after a long walk, they, uh, they had bread on offer. Of course they did. Lots of um, cultures do this, don't they? Um, if you go to a restaurant in lots of countries, they will sit you down and uh, there's bread on the table before you've ordered anything. It's just sort of what you do. It's hospitality. And so it's standard. But what happened next was not standard. Jesus did something that uh, this was the point that, that, that God said, that, that God chose for them to recognize him. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, you wouldn't normally do that, would you, if you were a guest at someone's house? But Jesus took the initiative, and he did, them, did that, and at last they recognized him. It's a really important detail. That's in verse 30. It must be an important detail, because just in verse 35, it's emphasized when they tell their story back in Jerusalem, and Luke picks up on it, um, that it was, when, it was when he broke the bread. That's when we recognized him. So what do you think the point of that is? What was it reminding them of? Well, if you've read through Luke's Gospel, there are two significant times where Jesus is described as doing this. Taking bread, giving thanks, breaking it, and giving it. The first is the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah, remember that? And John's Gospel records Jesus' teaching that followed that up. That he is the bread of life. And John records the way that Jesus used that miracle as a picture of us needing him to feed us. In fact, us needing, I mean, he used the picture of us needing to eat his flesh in John's Gospel if we're going to have his life in us. So that picture of life flowing from Jesus and us trusting in him and feeding on him. That's the feeding of the 5,000. Of course, the other occasion is the Last Supper. The Passover meal where Jesus took the existing Passover and at various points uh, gave it different symbolism. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus would die as the true Passover lamb to rescue people. And Jesus giving these uh, people bread is a picture of the same truth that Jesus has already taught them from the Old Testament, that he needed to suffer and die, that his body needed to be broken so that we can have life in us as we put our faith in him. And so, God, in choosing to open their eyes at that point to recognize him, it is uh, drawing attention to this image, this picture, this way of thinking about Jesus. And then verse 31, as soon as they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. He appeared only to disappear. Why? Well, 
they were entering the last phase of his, sorry, the next phase of his kingdom, the last days. Uh, the one, that, this is the period we're still in, that Jesus isn't with us physically. He's back with the Father. He's going back. That's what they needed to understand. They couldn't hold on to him like they had during his lifetime uh, on earth. But they could, and we can, still get to know him. And it's real. A real relationship. And in fact, it is the next phase of the kingdom of God. So it's actually deeper and it's within us. Because we feed on him as we put our faith in him. And he's died for us. So we don't just, the disciples would have been taught about it, but we know it. This experience of our sins being forgiven through Jesus because he has died in our place as our Passover lamb. Now, how do we do that? How do we uh, enact this? Well, it, we do it every day as we put our faith in Jesus. Uh, Paul describes his life. He says, This life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's feeding on Jesus every day. We, do it, we can do it anytime we have a meal at home. Anytime you break bread, you can just do it consciously and say, we, as we break bread today, as we share food today, we do it remembering that Jesus has died for us all and we live because of his life, his death, his resurrection. He's feeding us. So we can do it in our homes. And of course as a church we do it as we come together for bread and wine, which we'll do later today. So a question as we draw to a close. If, if God, if Jesus has chosen to relate to us if he's chosen to relate to us and meet with us in a particular way by helping us to understand the Bible, by feeding us with spiritual life when we trust Jesus' death for us as we do when we break bread. If God's chosen to relate to us in that particular way, will we come to the place that he's chosen? See the logic there? This is what Jesus is showing these people. He's not going to be with them physically anymore, but they've got his word They've got everything they know about him to feed on in their lives. Will we do that? Will we come with our questions and doubts and disappointments and talk to him about those things in prayer? Will we bring them to the gathering of God's people and say, do you know, I've had a really hard week, I'm really struggling with this, can you help? Or can you pray with me? Or is there anything in the Bible that helps me with this? Will we do that? Will we be humble enough to say, do you know what? I'm pretty slow of heart and foolish often. Lord Jesus, please correct me. Please teach me. Please open me. Please burn within me to with understanding of the Bible that I might know you as you want me to know you. Will we go to the Bible ourselves if that's where Jesus is going to meet with us and commit to a fellowship of people, this one, and maybe one at work or friends that we meet with and just say, you know what? I need some help in living this out. Will you help me? One very brief closing thought is that once you've seen it, you'll tell other people. That's what the uh, Emmaus 2 did, isn't it? Uh, we go to the end. They're so excited, they've forgotten all the dangers of the travelling at night. Verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem to tell the others. And uh, they find that actually Jesus has already appeared to them. Um, it's already um, 
uh, it's already uh, something that they're, they're aware of, but they, they get to join in. And if you think about it, why did Jesus, why did Jesus actually meet with them? He could have, they didn't have mobile phones, but it would have only been a little while before they'd have heard that he's risen from the dead. We, we said already it's his kindness in listening to them, but it's also his kindness in letting them know sooner rather than later, isn't it? He wants his people to know he's alive. We can know him still. His death was a, was a victory, not a defeat. He wants his people to know that. He wants them to join in, to be, uh, to be able to celebrate with the others. And he wants to join them in the mission as well. And so Jesus walks beside them and reveals himself to them. And they get it, and they run back to Jerusalem, and they share it with the others. Because once we've begun to see it, once we've seen it, we will join in with telling others it's a joyful thing to know Jesus Christ in our lives.